All right, welcome everyone to this week's episode of Kuden, Kuden Radio. Right. Uh, so um, uh, we we've got on the topic of respect here uh, at this end on the the academy and whatnot. As a matter of fact, tonight's class, I had to uh, be a little sharp with a couple of uh, students who. Um, what's a good way to explain this? Uh, they don't think broadly enough. Okay. And um, they're not making connections where connections need to be made. So uh, <clears throat> what I want to do during this episode is take a look at what we're going to start off with some definitions, right? Japanese. Uh, as a matter of fact, I should probably start off with, with a, a quick story, right? And I, I will when we, we get started, but I want to take a look at some definitions. We're going to do uh, one of my favorite things when it comes to learning uh, Japanese. We're going to take a look at root kanji that are used to convey uh, these messages sort of to write out the words or the vocabulary and whatnot instead of just using, uh, I don't know, simple kind of things. Right. And then we're going to take this into three different realms. We're going to take it into day to day life. We're going to take it into uh, martial arts, Bushido. Right. And how this stuff gets reflected in different ways. And I also want to take a look at it from a self-defense perspective. Right. Um, probably. Probably this is going to be another one of those that are is going to ruffle some feathers because everybody has their opinions. Okay? Um, but that's OK. Right. So we'll jump into that as soon as we get back. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success minded people like us? Concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world. How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kudan Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Okay, so... Uh, I'm going to start this off by saying that there are a couple of key pieces directly related to what we're going to cover during this episode in that introduction. So if you're on live, you know, you can always, I don't know, skip out and go listen to a different one, or you can just wait until later. If you're, if you're listening to the recording, um, I highly recommend that you, uh, rewind that a little bit or back it up or whatever. The, the term would be today. I'm an old guy, so we rewound things. Um, and um, listen to that again, because there's some questions in there, right, about how do we, as fill in the blank, X type of person, right, do what we need to do, and, right? So anyway, let me start this off with a little story. Right? I was in Japan a couple of years ago, and... Uh, one of the senior Japanese master instructors um, failed to comply with an instruction that Hatsumi Sensei had made during a very, very special weekend. And to say that he got himself in hot water, as we would say here in the West, uh, would be a significant understatement. Okay, So much so that this person who has been training with Hatsumi Sensei since he was 14 years old, was on the verge of being asked to leave the Bujinkan. It was that bad because his actions were seen as disrespectful. 
Okay. And not just not since they wanted one thing and he did another or whatever, but uh, there were a whole bunch of variables based on the weekend and whatnot, not naming names, whatever. But that week, well, we were there for two weeks, but that that incident um, put Hatsumi Sensei into a state that a lot of people probably don't believe is possible. You know, because he lets people get away with all kinds of crap. He doesn't say anything. Well, he, he didn't for decades before his retirement because his take was people should know better. And it wasn't his job to police the Budokan. And he's right. It was the seniors positions. Right. Any student senior to you who's supposed to know better um, was supposed to make sure you get the right lessons. OK, so. Part of Kuden is me doing that. But anyway, um, <clears throat> one day there was supposed to be a class and uh, Hatsumi Sensei did not come to class. However, Seno Sensei and one of the other teachers, senior Japanese teachers, came to class and at the doorway called everyone to gather around and listen in because he had a message from Soke. And the message, uh, well, I don't have it memorized verbatim. The gist of the message was that Hatsumi Sensei was pissed off because of the massive amounts of disrespect and lack of knowledge or care about using proper manners proper etiquette, proper signs of respect, both in a martial arts context and in a social public context uh, by students while they were visiting Japan. And one of the points that was made was that it is not, it's not an excuse that no one taught you that no one told you that's an excuse for little children but they're too young to even have that as an excuse right um as adults training in a foreign country training in a japanese martial art we're supposed to find the answers we're supposed to that's that's a part of our training that's a part of our education and regardless of whether somebody actually taught us or not, we're supposed to find out how we're supposed to act and carry ourselves. It's one of the responsibilities of a bushi. Right? Everybody likes to wander around and throw these words around. Enlightenment, wisdom, warrior, those kind of things. Um, but more often than not, they act like martial thugs or martial historians or... Marshall, Marshall academic researchers, right? And um, so he was he was pretty freaking hot. And during that same trip, and I didn't make the connection until later. During that same trip, uh, Sumeya Sensei, who uh, is the only Japanese teacher that I know of who has a direct 
lineage all the way back to the feudal era. Um, he was a descendant of, of samurai families. So in his classes, you will show proper respect. And he really focuses on making sure that you understand those kind of things. Isuk Sensei does things to that extent as well. Like you will carry yourself a certain way. Your uniform will be a certain way, that kind of thing. And again, I, I did mention before, you know, the intro ran uh, during my little lead in. That this is probably going to be one of those things that ruffle feathers. But um, warriors should be used to getting slapped when they make a mistake. Right. The the what's that uh, saying from um, Romans in the Bible? Right. The wages of sin are death. Right. If and, and the word sin is defined as having missed your mark. Right. You erred during a critical point in combat. Right. Uh, it was an archer's term originally. So if I'm shooting at something and I miss too often, incoming fire is going to get me because I haven't taken out the, the source of the incoming fire. Right. So, again, this is all based on karma and consequences and whatnot. And I get it. Right. People like to say, well, we're not Japanese. We're American or we're Australian or Western or whatever. And so, like, you know, we do it differently. Okay, well, then don't be a warrior aligned with a Japanese lineage. Okay, so anyway, we'll come back to some of this stuff. Um, most of this is going to be educational, but I, I, I do have a little bit of a, a rant thing that needs to go on because um, I don't think people are doing the research, right? They're running around collecting techniques like they're collecting postage stamps or coins or uh rocks or whatever for their little collection right but they're missing a critical piece of the lesson right i wore my my dojo shirt tonight because it has the ninkanji on here and the ninkanji right well, this is one of those things that uh, a bunch of years ago i think it was in maybe at some point in the 90s maybe uh hatsumi said they did this this lesson could have been 2000s anyway time gets away from me um where he talked about the ninkanji expressing the two sides of our training right and those things are expressed in different ways historically right you have the dragon realm and the tiger realm you have sa and you right left and right which is it's not the modern way to say left and right it's the old way to say it that you'll find in the in a lot of the scrolls but we've got this top kanji right uh, a lot of people translate this as toll Right. And even then, Hatsumi Sensei used the word toll because it means blade. Right. Uh, but this top kanji is actually uh, Kisaki. There's this little stroke right here that cuts across that delineates the, the dangerous part. But either way, we can use toll. Right. It's the blade. So this part of the kanji represents the martial side of our training. OK. It's all the skills, all the techniques, all the weapons, all the. All the, the shiny, blinky things that people get attracted to, right? Because they want to be the baddest ass on the, on the block, right? Um, and while that's necessary, when you're on a block where bad shit's happening, you're in a back alley, you're on a battlefield or whatever, right? You need those skills to produce success. But what about when you're not? Right. What about when you're in the dojo training? It's not a battlefield, and I get it. We're training for the battlefield, but it's not the same. Okay, 
What about your interactions with others? What about the way you carry yourself in the world? It's one thing to want to be a warrior protector. It's a whole other thing to be somebody that other people would naturally gravitate to or feel safe around as their protector, right? Because of the way we carry ourselves. So the other side of the kanji, right, this bottom part, right, looks like a bowl here with a, I don't know, people have called it dimples, whatever, right? A um, little thing here in the middle, right? This is shin or kokoro, right? So toshin, it's actually where um, uh, Sensei Hayes came up with his toshindo kind of thing. He actually invented that name on the uh, on the tail end of Hatsumi Sensei teaching this lesson. And it just kind of grew into these other things, right? But shin or kokoro, right? This is our heart. Um, and from the Eastern perspective, we're... we're I was just talking about somebody talking about this with somebody the other day that it's it's the rare occasion in the East where they divide things like we do in the West. Right. Mind, body, spirit. OK, because heart is mind, heart, mind, spirit connection. Right. Um, it's our core. Right. So it's it's both. Right. Uh, and again, it would depend on whether we were, we were coming at things from a from a Buddhist perspective or a Shinto perspective or whatever, what that third element would be from a, from a Buddhist or a Mikyo perspective, it's compassion, right? But either way, right? So here are the two sides to training, okay? And each of these has its own specific skill set um, in, uh, in or on a particular battlefield, okay? So in social settings, there's life skills, okay? On the battlefield, there's battlefield skills. In our uh, curriculum at the dojo, and again, I don't copy anybody else's. My curriculum is based on some previous teachers' curriculums as an outline, but um, I'm not beholden to anybody's idea of what uh, what a proper curriculum could, could or should be or whatever, because I, like I said, I've been training since 1980. And I've seen both the Japanese written version. I've seen uh, things change, whatever. Right. But the point of this from the Joni ninjas perspective, because that's what I was taught a long time ago, we were training to be. Now, you can choose to be gaining. You can choose to be tuning. Right. You can choose to be whatever. Right. But Hatsumi Sensei, as a Jonin, right, the head of teaching warrior uh, warrior, <laughs> warrior wizard, warrior philosopher kind of perspectives, right? Um, while there are lots of gaining techniques, okay, we're, we're all being taught how to be Joni, okay? Which means we need to be able to carry ourselves like ladies and gentlemen, okay? Even as a gaining, right? Can you imagine how far a ninja would get doing disguise and impersonation when they can't do anything more than dress up as a farmer or street beggar or whatever because they've got shit for manners? Okay. They try to dress up as a monk, itinerant priest, uh, wandering Yamabushi, uh, high-level merchant, anything like that, right? Freaking be, be beheaded the first time they slip because, well, I'm not following that kind of convention. 
Well, you don't have to believe in it, but you, you should probably make sure that things are going well. But anyway, um, everybody got the proverbial general slap, right? Ass spanking and a reminder. Now, it was many decades in the making because for a long time, since they didn't teach on that stuff, I can't, well, he didn't overtly teach on it, but these things were always available, right? They were in books. They were, uh, you know, teachers or Japanese seniors in the dojo, right? Would come in about certain points, whatever. But um, people are all so caught up with the, with the, the make me a badass lessons that they forget that a bushi, right? A warrior, the equivalent of European knighthood position. We're classy people, right? And they didn't tolerate things like disrespect and crap like that, right? And historically, we think about this, right? The dojo was a very dangerous place. And I don't mean it was dangerous just because of the techniques that were being done. But you're around people that can kill you. And you're living in a feudal society where if you break social convention rules or whatever, they can kill you and not go to jail for it, right? Because you're a dick, okay? And it's not acceptable, right? So anyway, um, what I thought we what I thought I'd do is take a look at two words specifically, which are actually going to break out into four because the words are compound words, even though they're used individually as well. It's a Japanese thing, right? Um, take a look at them. We're not, we're not going to look at because I have to uh, be mindful of the folks that are on uh, audio only, right? They're on uh, Google Play or whatever. Um, so, and again, I, I apologize. I'll have to back up. When I was pointing to the to the kanji on my chest, I was pointing to the nin kanji, right? So if you look that up online, right, the, the first kanji in the word for ninja or ninjutsu, right? Then just replay the little lesson that I gave just in case you don't know what that is. Um, we'll look at these things and we're going to take a look at the meanings of the kanji used to write the words. Okay? Because again, kanji are like Egyptian hieroglyphics. Okay, they're picture words. They paint certain things. I'm not going to break each of those kanji down. Um, I could, we could do that, but th that's not the nature of this lesson. What I want to do is kind of get at the root of of some key principles and like when Japanese would use one word over another or what the root meanings are and what that starts to point to. Okay, because I believe that that will help us to translate some of the things like um, why bowels are done the way they are in general context and then why it looks like a key rule is broken in the context of the uh, what I call combat bowels, right, that you'll see with uh, when you're working with sword or you're working with the long staff or whatever, right? There's this bowing form that breaks a cardinal rule. Um, in Japanese society when it comes to uh, the form of, 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 the, of the bow. Okay. But anyway, we'll take a look at a couple of these things. And then um, I have a couple of examples that hopefully will hit home. Um, now, please note, I have no idea who's on the call. 
I have no idea who's on the who's on the podcast, right? Who's on the live side of things. That being said, this this uh, any anything that I mention about emails received, messages posted online, disrespectful actions, attitudes, or whatever, um, are not about any one person because lots of people are doing it. Okay. And so, so my, my point there is if you read yourself or see yourself in any description, it's not about you. Okay. From my perspective, if you see yourself in it, then that's something completely different. Okay. So, um, I'm also not here to argue with anybody. Um, but as usual, we'll take questions at the end and we'll see where things go. Okay. All right. So let's jump into the vocabulary. Um, James, things going okay on that side? Looks like we've got uh, a bunch of folks that are all signed in and that, and that's only from the, from the platforms that this thing actually tracks numbers from. So, okay, cool. All right. So, uh, the first word we're going to take a look at is sonke. Sonke. Right. If you were going to write this out uh, in, Rom- in Romaji, so English language alphabet to spell out the Japanese uh, syllables. Right. So sonke, S-O-N-K-E-I, sonke. Right. Sonke is a word that generally means respect. Um, it can also mean honor. It can mean esteem. It can mean regard. Right. Um but it's made up of two kanji characters, one for son, S-O-N, right? Not sun, right? It's not S-U-N. Well, actually, that wouldn't even be sun in Japanese. S-U-N would be sun, right? Son, right? Uh, the O is always like the O, like the O in bowl, O, that kind of thing. So son, right? Um, so the son kanji actually means dignity, okay? Dignity. And then K, K E I, right? Um, and there's actually K, K E I, I, so you hold the I twice as long, K, um, means respect or the act of respecting. But it goes even deeper than that, okay? K can also mean awe and honor and revere. So generally speaking, um sonke tends to mean dignity and respect okay it's both a noun something given but it's also a verb which means a way of acting okay so we are honoring revering um showing esteem esteem means value right uh those kind of things right but it's an action and it's based on dignity, mine, and not ruining yours. Okay? Respect and dignity. This is this is a very conventional thing in the meaning. Um, I don't know. I don't know how deep anybody got into school when they were breaking these things down or how much they've uh, run it through their contemplative meditation uh, work or if they even do that kind of stuff, right? Or if they make the mistake of just taking everything at face value because, well, you know, that other stuff is just too damn hard as far as work goes, right? Been talking about that for 12 weeks, 
in the Sanji Shishi Dobon program, right? Just like that stuff, right? The life mastery stuff, Mikyo, all that, right? Bushido, this is not something for the faint of heart. This is not something for the lazy, right? This is a lot of hard work, okay? And not just a lot of hard physical work, okay? Um, I posted something today on Facebook. Um, I encountered this, and I'm sure I encountered it in the past, but today it just like reached into my core and grabbed me, right? There's a statue, a uh, sculpture, that the, the name of it is the self-made man. And so what you see is the, the torso from like the waist up, right? With a hammer in one hand and a chisel in the other, chiseling away at the rock that it's made of, right? And one part of one leg is exposed and things like that. But it's a self-made man, right? It's, it's the work of literally recreating yourself. And so that you can become that which you want to be. That's a lot of hard work. Okay. Um, most people, it's just easier to, I don't know, bark at everybody else to get them to change or to uh, fantasize about being, but not doing the work or whatever. Right. Uh, James, I can't remember. Was it, was it a class, maybe Friday's class, maybe, or. I don't know. It was a recent class, and I can't remember if it was a Sanji Shichi Dobon class or if it was um, Friday's class or it could have been both, where I said, if you ever want to see what somebody's commitment is, right, or where um, the good enough line is for them, okay, just look at what they're doing, okay, because that where they are is one step shy of it's too much fucking work. I'm 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 not doing that much, okay? So wherever we stop, we we stop for one of two reasons. One, our definition of the goal, which becomes a limitation, becomes a a ceiling, right? Or we know the goal is farther down the line, but there's too much work. Okay. So anyway, so Sonke, this is more of a general thing, and I'll I'll come back to this, right? Um, And then from more of a Bushido standpoint, right? And, and there's, there's other places where this would be apl- applicable as well. We have this idea of Reishiki, right? Reishiki, R-E-I, they, right? Shiki, S-H-I-K-I, okay? Reishiki. So they're both manners and they're both respect, um, but Reishiki, right, has more to do with ceremonial manners and it's conventionally translated as etiquette okay etiquette so the kanji the first kanji day most people know it as bow okay but it also means courtesy uh it means thanks and appreciation okay when we when we bow right we're showing gratitude to somebody especially um in the asian context where the the student or the lower person bows lower than the other person, right? Than their, than their senior. Okay. Um, so again, bow courtesy, thanks and appreciation. Um, this is actually used mostly in Bushido in, in modern text, but uh, context, but again, there's, there's other things, right? We, um, it can be used in the workplace. Uh, 
university, that kind of thing, right? Shiki, the word shiki, S-H-I-K-I, um, that kanji means ceremony, okay? So um, what you what you have is it's a almost a ritualized display of, okay? So there's a certain way to go about doing it, okay? Like we have our dojo opening and closings, okay? Um, if I'm bowing to um, my boss at work or I'm bowing to the president or whatever, right? I'm going to bow first and lower, okay? In Japan, it's an insult or there's a loss of face. And, and we have to remember as Westerners, the Japanese people give us a lot of leeway, okay? Because ultimately, we're gaijin, okay? And I know that in all the dictionaries, you're going to see that that means foreigner. But the word gaijin, jin is person, okay? Gai, right, is as close as, as close to unrefined animal as you can get okay a gaijin is a barbarian okay i get it right if you mention that to a japanese person they might smile or go oh no 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 foreigner foreigner yeah i know how you're using it i know what it's come to mean okay but it's an outsider and it's someone who's typically seen as not as refined, not as clean, manners suck, right? And so you have to give them leeway because they don't understand, okay? So when I take students to Japan, before we go, there are classes. No, I'm, I apologize. I, I, I have an email going out. Um, sorry, a little segue. Uh, our fall Japan trip has to be postponed. I've got way too many things going on and um, it's, it can't happen. So we'll, we're going to move that into 2000 or 2024. So anyway, um, so when I take them, we have weeks of classes beforehand. And I don't just mean how to do things in the dojo. I mean, how to sit on a bus or a train, what to do with the packages you're carrying with you, those kind of things. Okay. How to, stand out in a surprising way to the Japanese people who believe, especially in the bigger built up uh, uh, metropolitan areas where they encounter tourists and business people on a regular basis. And we need to have them see us in a different light. Okay. So anyway, um, let's take a look at this K and Rei. Okay. K and Rei. Right. Uh, so the K of Songke and the Rei of Reishiki. Right. So K, reason why I covered Songke first is this is a general type of respect. Okay. That you would give to another person who has higher status. Okay. Just generally speaking, again, boss, teacher, uh, whatever. Okay. And while these, as I, as I describe these things, they're not, they're not exclusive, right? You, you can, you can switch things and you can see crossovers, not splitting hairs, all right? But 
generally K is generally K is more general. <laughs> so it's just it it's just more of an everyday thing, like we would think of respect, right? Um unless we have developed that mentality as a, has become really popular in the West, that I'm not going to show respect unless I'm given respect. Well, congratulations. We don't have the word gaijin, but gaijin. All right. So, yeah, but the other person did show me respect. Well, I know, but maybe that person doesn't know any better. Maybe that person wasn't didn't get the right lessons. Maybe they were raised in a certain area or a certain. And again, we don't like to talk about social classes and things like that, but they don't they don't get it. Okay, just like you know, if you've ever if you ever worked in an office or anything like that and you come behind people and they've left like coffee stains on the counter or whatever. Right. Um, and you point it out and they look at you or, or your kids at home. Right. They look at you and they go, what? Okay. Sometimes they're not ignoring it. Sometimes they're not making fun of you. Sometimes the reality is they can't see it because that's the way they live. They don't know any better. Okay. But if we know better and fail to act and carry out on that, then who's who's worse? Right. They're doing it out of ignorance. They don't know any better. Right? But if we're doing it out of choice. What the hell is that? And besides that, he treats me a certain way, so I treat him that way back. Well, how does that make me better than him? Right? It doesn't. In my attempt to put him down, I lowered myself to his level. We need to think about this as warriors. We need to think about this as enlightened warriors. Marshall Thuggery, I don't give a shit how you think. I don't, because it's all about fighting and winning and and being the big dog on the the block. But you know what? Eventually you're going to get old, slow down, and um, it'll be easy for the 20-something to beat your ass. So it is what it is, right? All right, so K, again, is that general type. Rei, R-E-I, right, is a gesture you show to people whom, with whom you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to lose face with. You know what that means? Losing face, okay? You've disrespected yourself. You've lowered yourself in the eyes of others, okay? So, Beishiki, in the dojo with Bushido, right? We do it because we want to be seen as worthy of getting the lessons. Because in everyday society, it's expected that everybody treats everybody well. So those who don't, they're the rare exception, except in the West today. But they're the rare exception. In the dojo... We want to present ourselves in the best light so our teacher gives us the gifts that they were entrusted with. If we lose face, if we present ourselves as the kind of person that they would not hand a live sword to, just like you wouldn't hand a knife to a baby who doesn't know any better, right? Why? Why would a martial master hand someone who is either not mindful enough or not considerate enough with their own day-to-day actions 
right? To not misuse these things, why would they hand them the equivalent of a loaded gun? Because that's what kata and these skills are. Why would they do that? Right? So in the first case, K, right? It's a general type of respect that we show again to seniors and things like that, right? Um, or strangers, right? Because we don't know if they're above us, below us, or whatever. But generally speaking, in Japanese society, right? Um, everyone is, you know, treated as being worthy of respect and above you because of hum, you know, being humble and humility and things like that, right? But I'm doing it because it's expected. It's not that it's not expected in the dojo, but Ray is done because I don't want to be seen in a lesser light. Do you understand the difference? So both of these, though, right, they start with another way to use the word Ray, right? It's called Regi, right? R-E-I-G-I. Regi means manners, okay? A long time ago, like, <laughs> this was back in the early to mid-80s, I think, Hazumi Sensei was talking about, because uh, this was a time when uh, other martial arts, right, whether it was through resentment or whatever, right, were really hammering uh, ninjutsu, right? Um, as a matter of fact, here in the States, I don't know about the UK or Australia or whatever, but here in the States, um, a bunch of these guys banded together and sent letters to our Congress uh, to have needed to outlawed in this country. And what they were telling their congressmen and senators and things like that was that um, we were spies and assassins and we're going to overthrow the U.S. government. So, right. So one of the acts that Stephen Hayes actually did way back in those days that people should even be more grateful for, regardless of their connection with him. Right. I don't know the same connection I had before. But there's certain things that he did that if he did not and he was not successful at them, we'd all be doing Taekwondo or pick a dough. Right. I don't care what it is. Right. Um, but he actually testified in front of a it's either a congressional or a Senate subcommittee um, as to why Nijitsu shouldn't have been made illegal. And I've got that transcript around somewhere. And not this transcript. I've got the outline around somewhere. Um, the outline of his presentation. It was quite extensive. Okay. So um, anyway, um, the, uh, the the basis here is in uh, manners, right? So uh, Hudson says what he was teaching on during this time, right, was, you know, because people were using the word ninja in using very derogatory inflection and things like that. Ninja, you know, you think you're whatever, right? That kind of bullshit, right? And he addressed it by saying, you know, historically, right? It's not like the it's not like the history that people like to dive into because some people will read anything and believe anything that has the word ninja attached to it, right? They'll do the same thing with lots of topics. If it has that name attached to it, then it must be the real thing, right? Um, but he was talking he was talking about the, the fact that you know they 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 were not the poor farmers right were some ninja working or living as farmers 
in enemy territory or close to enemy territory or, you know, were they farming families? Sure. Okay. But let's not confuse that with being the whole clan. We're just a bunch of poor dirt shovers, right? That what? Couldn't do anything. Okay. Well, then if that were true, how the hell do they keep their pulse on the upper level of society to be able to influence decision making at the governmental or imperial court level? How is that, po- how is that possible for a farmer to do? Okay. Because there had to be more to it. So the ninja owned castles and land. I know I've, I've been to some of these things. Okay. Um, lots of money, lots of influence, those kind of things, right? So he said, you know, to be called a ninja is to be called a true lady or gentleman. And one of the points he was making was you need to carry yourself that way to be seen that way. Now, the lesson had two parts to it. One was to help some people elevate their perception of themselves, right? Because if you're going to do this thing, you're doing something that is a very high class um, very important thing, right? It, higher intelligence as far as it go, as far as understanding how things work and to be able to see things clearly. I mean, you can't be a problem solver if you mis- misunderstand the problem, right? You can't fix something that's broken, but you don't understand how it's supposed to work to begin with, right? Um, so anyway, there, there was this, this big thing, right? So half of it was was to help people elevate their sense of self or what the goal was, right? I mean, to, to be called a lady or a gentleman speaks more to the life skills and the balance that's needed on that side than it speaks to the martial skills, right? But between wars, what are you doing? How are you carrying yourself? How are you influencing? Why would somebody want, want you in their presence, right? Why, you know, if you're going to be a low-class um uh, soldier, we just put you out guarding the gate or roaming the grounds, right? Walking the dogs. You're certainly not going to be in the imperial court. If you can't dress a certain way, bathe, keep yourself clean, whatever, right? These are all part of manners, not just how, not just what you say, but we know that, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking at you. I'm talking to you and we're talking about a, a personality that doesn't get it. But the other part of this, wasn't just about elevating some people's perception of themselves or what they were aiming for, but also to let people know that, look, this is not the same as conventional martial arts, right? There is a martial life balance kind of thing going on, and both skills are necessary, okay? But we need to be mindful, right? We need to know when manners or which manners, right? When to show respect, how to show respect, right? Because ultimately we're always influencing. Okay. Now, that being said, let's discuss some things that have been going on for way too long. Okay. And one of those things is people online 
that are a part of or supposedly a part of an organization. And I don't care if it's Bujin Khan, Gembu Khan, Jinan Khan, whatever, right? As a member, they are a representative of that organization. They were a representative of their teacher and they were a representative of the grandmaster, or in this case, multiple grandmasters. Okay. They're also seen as a reflection of. So on our membership agreements uh, at the academy, yes, we use those. There is a, uh, a line that people sign off on that they will faithfully comply with the um, traditions of the martial arts and the rules of the organization. And once they read that line of semi-legalese, I say what that means is the moment you become a student in this academy, you become a representative. And whether it's fair or not, everyone that meets you will in some way assume that everybody else that's a member of that uh, organization carries themselves communicates and acts and, and presents themselves like you do. So we all have responsibility, me included, right? To present ourselves in ways that properly reflect what's going on. Okay. Um, so that we don't bring, we don't cause the organization we don't cause the art. We don't cause the grandmaster. We don't cause our teacher. We don't cause our seniors. We don't call our, cause our fellow students to lose face with us. Okay. Again, remember that story I told about Hatsumi Sensei saying that, look, you're, you're studying a Japanese martial art. You need to understand how it's done. Okay. And in Japanese society, if you lose face, everyone directly connected with you loses face at the same time family, friends, and associates. Because the assumption is they have failed in one of two ways. Either they didn't teach you the lessons you needed to learn and know, or they're just like you. Which is why things like Harikiri and Seppuku came into play. Because it was the way that you saved face or returned face to your family and associates, right? It was your making of amends. Interesting, huh? But we don't need to be in Japan for that, right? And be, just because there's a broad segment of Western society that feels the need this is not just part of it is they feel safe in acting out on it, but this comes from a, a core, right? A, just a core belief system, right? That they feel like they're above everyone else and they have the right to command you to do their bidding or they will. I don't know, what are some modern words? They will cancel you. They will attack you. They will uh, ruin you. They will undermine you. They will, right? Which is what people who have nothing else, that's what they do, okay? I mean, it was what the ninja did, right? Okay, and I'm not underplaying the ninja, 
The ninja were outnumbered. Their guerrilla tactics, their manipulation, deception, influence, those kind of things, right? But where the ninja would be very quiet about it so that attention didn't draw back to them, right? These people paint the proverbial targets on themselves, but they also operate like little children who either they have no idea what kind of danger exists in the world or they believe that they're invincible and it's not going to touch them. Okay. So, um, anyway, so anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's have one of the, actually, um, James, I'm going to bring you on, um, Let's let's talk about this from an otherworldly thing or a, a, a general world thing before um, this might get personal for somebody who's listening or whatever. Right? And I'm not again, I'm not naming names. This is not about names. This is about actions. This is about core belief systems that cause thoughts, words and actions to play out. And. While these people believe that they're justified in doing things, I believe that they're ignorant when it comes to manners, when it comes to respect, because a lot of them are doing it toward seniors and, and teachers uh, in the art, right, that they're supposed to be a part of, right, even if they're not actually physically in the dojo, right, because that's a hypocrite, right? You act one way in church, but you act a completely different way once you walk out the door. Okay. Um, but again, it's this is not about any given person. Okay. Um, and uh, what we just covered last week, Sanjay, she should go on. Oh, the um, the enlightened person never really thinks that they're enlightened because that's ego speaking. But one of the actions that they are constantly involved in is self-checking. Right? They're always making sure that part of their mindfulness is on themselves. As a matter of fact, a huge part of their mindfulness is on themselves. Okay? The unenlightened, their mindfulness is on judging and watching the actions of everybody else. So anyway, um, we were having this discussion earlier and... Uh, you had discussed some uh, something that that was when you were working in corrections. Remember that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So why don't you share that for a quick minute, and then uh, we'll carry on with with other things. Uh, it was just the whole idea. I was talking to somebody about. It was actually about the whole respect uh, idea, and I had worked uh, some time in corrections at just a local uh, county jail kind of level. And I was surprised at uh, when I first started there, the overall lack of respect that a lot of the other corrections officers tended to show really each other and the inmates. And most often for no real reason other than just a, like a position of power kind of thing. Uh, they felt they had the ability to, so they did. And my question always was, is, you know, why would you do that? Because every, like the majority of people in here are in here for very short periods of time and it's local and they all have local contacts and all that. 
but you know they're going to get out at some point and and contact other people and tell them about their experiences in here but just a lack of disrespect for no reason you know can really rub people the wrong way and you don't know for sure how that person's going to react to it even if it's not in this moment uh what can happen at a later date and time or to, even to somebody else well they live in your neighborhood right? right and and you know when you're at work who's watching your family right right those kind of things so um i think people miss that right and i've heard lots of martial artists right um I, i've known a bunch of these guys who or and girls who got involved because they were being bullied or low self-esteem or, you know, lack of confidence or whatever. Right. And they attained high rank. They gained lots of skills and whatnot. But what they didn't get that I, one of the big things that surprised me when I got in this art was all the lessons I got from teachers about how to carry myself and, and the life lessons and things like that. Right. That again, another one of those things, uh, you know, it's a throwback to the, the eighties people like to go, well, that's old school. Yeah, I know. So it's like a technique that hurts because it hurts, not because I'm trying to hurt you kind of thing. And soft training has somehow turned into um, if, you know, if you're putting on if you're uh, if there's pain, then it's wrong. Well, I'm not having that discussion anyway. So uh, uh, that, you know, they'll be a disrespectful ass to somebody. And I'll call them on it and they'll go, yeah, what are they going to do? Punch me? Kick their ass. So you just became the kind of person that you joined the martial arts to be able to defend against. Well, how the hell did that work? In your attempt to empower yourself to not be a victim or to not have you know, a problem with esteem or confidence or whatever, you became the same kind of dick that was terrorizing you. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So again, where's the self check? Right. And I, I encountered the same kind of stuff in law enforcement. Right. Um, and, and I get it. I mean, some days you need to be, you need to be the guy or the girl or whatever. Right. And, sure. and you and I had this discussion because I, I was talking from the, from the external law enforcement side, you were talking about the correction side, but it still comes down to the same thing. While both sides know the game, right? Because I've used certain comments to people like, dude, you're not thinking big enough here, okay? You know, I'm being in the arrest process and somebody's just giving me a bunch of shit. I'm like, dude, I will make sure that you get, your, your cellmate's going to be Bubba. And when you get out, the only job you're going to qualify for is a windsock at a fucking airport, right? Of course, that would usually get people to break, like, uh, whatever, right? But what I was doing was highlighting something that they haven't thought big enough about. You're big and bad out here, but you're going to a place where everybody's a badass. You better be able to walk that talk when, you know, and they maintain their own sense of fucking justice and, and whatever. Right. It's kind of like teenagers, right? They, they back mouth and all that kind of stuff, but they can't think big enough. Right. Their, their their perspective isn't broad enough. Right. And then at some point, life bites them in the ass and then they want to run back to the same people that they disrespected for for a while. Right. And, you know, if you didn't have children like that, then fantastic. OK. Um, and some of mine were some well, a few were 
most were not, but you get the idea, right? Everybody thinks they know until they get punched in the mouth. Um, but it's this idea of not thinking big enough. It's not making the right connections. And I don't mean connections like being connected to somebody else. I mean like puzzle pieces fitting together. Like if I act this way, that produces certain results. Okay, It all goes back to karma, the universal law of cause and effect. Okay, We had um, two kids. One, one did a self-adjustment on his attitude midway through class. Uh, when I say kids, I mean they're like preteens, right? Another one, we've been having trouble with him for a while, but not not getting a whole lot of support for the family. Um, sometimes I think parents sign their kids up um, and here are the unspoken words. Um, could you like give me another kid that behaves well and does what they're supposed to do and all that? Now, I want him to look just like the one that I gave you. But could you swap him out for one that works? OK. Um, more often than not. Parents, you know, we didn't, we didn't get a manual for how to parent. So we've, we're figuring that stuff out as we go along as well. But in this case, this is one of that, one of that uh, smaller percentage where they don't want to parent, right? So they don't want to have to deal with the hard stuff. They don't want to make the hard decisions, right? Um, you know, uh, they have to give him his meds during the school year. And this kid needs them, right? And I don't mean he acts out or whatever. I mean... He needs counseling, right? There's depression. There's, there's this, this kid's either going to end up in a padded room or a jail cell or a morgue when he gets older. And I don't know if he's going to make it out of teen years in that direction, right? So we gave it a really good attempt. He was with us for a year, but, um, when I let everybody know that today was his last day, he had this big smile on his face. And I looked at him and I said, I understand that this is too much work. I get it. But what I want you to think about is uh, your actions and how you affect the people in any group that you're in. And I know why you're smiling. You're smiling because you don't have to do this anymore. I hope you have the same smile on your face when you've negatively affected people and somebody reaches out and smacks you because you're free. This is a lesson for everybody, right? You're free to choose. You're free to make choices. You're free to speak, think, and act as you so choose, but you are never, ever, ever free from the consequences of those thoughts, words, and actions. And Mikyo Right? One of the base lessons is there are three ways that you affect your world. There's three ways that you change your world or create your world okay? through your thoughts, through your words and through your actions. It is absolutely not true that you can think whatever you want as long as you don't say it or do it because you create a reality. And that reality is true if for no one else but you, it's true. Okay. But we have this, again, we have this, this cultural phenomenon where people think that merely believing something for themselves gives them the right to um, Gestapo-esque-like, right, get everybody else to drink the same Kool-Aid. 
You can believe anything you want. Okay? You can even tell me what your belief is. But I don't have to believe it. Okay? I'm under no obligation to believe it. And you can be offended because I didn't go along with the story. But there's a thing called reason. And again, just like with the nin symbol, right? Both of these things, for a warrior, both of these things need to be in balance. Because I need the skills that will allow me to be successful on a battlefield, but I also need the skills that will allow me to be successful in day-to-day life. Otherwise, if I don't have one or the other, then I'm producing results in one place, but I'm completely unprepared for the other one, but I've deluded myself to believe that I am. Or in the case of the martial stuff, I'm really good at the back alley, uh, bar fight, battlefield, whatever, but my life sucks in day-to-day life. So I'm just looking for the next battle. I'm looking for the next war to get involved in because see, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about, you know, eating, having good relationships, anything like that. Right. So anyway, um, it took him a little while, but I think what I said to him gave him reason to, to think, right? And I also booted him out of my class because he was negatively affecting everybody else in my class. So, and when I said, go sit down, he went, great. Yeah, great. Right? So he went, and then when I turned around and looked, he was, he wasn't not happy. It was not a, like he was, uh, it it was a sadness kind of thing because I think it, it sunk in, right? That, You're only going to go so far with this. Anyway, so back to the thing with James there, right? Um, This this ultimately comes down to uh, someone being so focused on their own agenda and their own needs that they can't see outside of that. They can't see the bigger picture, right? And we have to be careful with that. I mean, it's bad enough in general public because I think one of the other things I shared with them tonight – both of the children, the, the preteens that were, that were pulling this crap, um, was that, you know, we act a certain way and we get away with it for the most part. But we get away with it because of either the grace, compassion, or non-confrontational nature of those that we're routinely surrounded by. And what I mean by that is, they're more likely to write it off as, well, that's just Bob. That's just Sue. That's just the way they are. Just ignore them. They'll, they'll, they'll be okay in a minute or whatever, right? Um, they get used to walking on eggshells, those kind of things, right? But see, these people get used to that. And what either they've never stopped to consider or they don't think will ever happen to them or... Nobody gave him a lesson. And part of my job, right, see, on the mandala, uh, my uh, my karmic deity, Bodhisattva, right? It's one of the flaming guys in the hall that Fudomyo is in, right? His name is Gozanze in Japanese. It's actually the only character um, of the Light Kings that's in that hall twice. It's on 
once he's on the side of the intellect and on the other side, he's on the experiential uh, life mastery side. Two different names, but they just represent which side he's on. Right. But Guzanze is the destroyer of evil in the three realms. The three realms are past, present and future. And um, evil in this case is ignorance. It's you know people who you know are attacking and whatever, just asses, right? Which really fits my <laughs> karmic nature on on one side. Anyway, so um, uh, what I um, what I expressed was. We talked about something similar to this earlier on, that there are people in this world that they get those lessons or they don't care about those lessons. Okay. And they're not going to let you be you. Okay. And <laughs> and their perspective is that your disrespect was the first shot across the bow that started the battle. Not you. I'm talking to them, right? Because, again, you guys are all enlightened, so this couldn't possibly be, be any of us, right? So, but uh, the, the, the fight, unless it's a surprise attack where somebody's targeted you, because they want something from you, whatever, right? Um, you're behaving properly, you're whatever, right? The, the, the fight doesn't always start with him throwing the first punch, okay? There's a reason for that. Okay? And the last thing we want as ladies and gentlemen is to be the reason they throw that punch, or pull that gun, or whatever. And that doesn't mean that we're a criminal when it happens. That doesn't mean that we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, wrong place, wrong time, wrong person. But if our words, actions, body language, facial expressions, whatever, right, pushes the wrong person's buttons at the right time, we now need our skills to save our ass from something that we started. Okay? Which is why Reikishi, right? Reishiki, sorry, Reikishi. Reishiki is different than Rishiki, uh, Rikishi, sorry, Rikishi. Right? Don't, don't confuse these two. I know how they can sound similar, but one is a, one is a sumo rank and one is, um, <laughs> etiquette <laughs> Bushido so <laughs> don't screw them up Rishiki right um, the reason that comes first is so that you don't offend anybody because again back in the day in the dojo if you offended in the dojo um, since they believed in rebirth right cosmic do-overs there's no problem we just whack your ass you can try again Okay, it's kind of like all Monopoly, right? Right. Return to what is it? Uh, get out of, but there's no get out of jail free cards kind of thing, right? So anyway, um, uh, so 
we'll probably do this out of order, right? One, the first lesson that I give my students in the dojo when they come in for their very first introductory class is we, we cover respect and how to do a proper bow, those kind of things, which, again, we'll get back to. Um, but this is from the perspective of self-defense. And that is that if I am a respectful, upstanding individual, then I'm not going to cause somebody to want to kick my ass because I'm disrespectful. So then I only have to worry about using my skills against people who are going to attack me no matter what. They're going to attack me because it's a reflection of them, not a reflection of me. I hope that makes sense. Now, are there exceptions? Of course. But we're not talking about exceptions now. We're not talking about the person that is offended because the way you dress, the way you carry yourself or whatever, as an upstanding individual, offends their sensibilities because they define that person as weak. They define that person as a, I don't know, corrupt uh, business person or whatever, right? Um, I was once called a baby killer uh, in my uh, military uniform because this person was anti-establishment, anti-military, anti-whatever. And to them, right, I was a baby killer. They didn't know me from Adam, but they saw the uniform. They saw the way I carried myself, right, and made that assumption. I was called baby killer once, um, not in military uniform. I was much younger, fairly recently had left the military, so I still had a military, more military-style haircut, and um, just happened to be walking a certain way. And they made that connection based solely on haircut and the way I was walking. What's really funny is that the way I was walking was more a product of this training than it was my military stuff <laughs> because of no arm swing and all that. But either way, right? um, but again, it goes back to manners, right? Um, respect is our first line of self-defense. Okay. So, uh, there's that, right? So anyway, do we have any uh, questions or comments up to this point before I break things out and discuss a couple of um, things from um, uh, based on martial arts etiquette? And then we'll come back to this this topic again before we round things out. Anything, James? Questions, comments? Uh, Glenn Baker said saving face is huge in Asian culture in all areas in and in and out of the dojo and marriage too, as I learned the hard way still after 17 years, I'm glad you're talking about this. Hmm. You know, it used to be a big, big part of uh, Western culture as well. Um, we didn't call it, well, sometimes people call it saving face or whatever, but um, one's personal reputation meant something. But there have been some cultural revolutions and cultural uh, shifts that made things more and more and more about some about the individual 
and the individual's perspective and feelings trumping everything else. So while your feelings and your perspectives do matter, they don't matter more than anybody else's. But there was the shift, right? And so now there's it's just swung so far to the extreme where not only does it matter, but people want laws passed to have you killed or put in jail if you use the wrong words or you speak in a way that they don't believe in or whatever. And um, there are words for that that they use toward people that don't toe the line. So people didn't pay attention in school, I think. But anyway, right. Um, they're changing dictionary definitions and doing all kinds of wild, crazy stuff, which is anyway. So um, anyway, hopefully folks being involved in martial arts have recognized this a little bit uh, along the way. But um, this is the only martial art that I've been involved in where it wasn't just talked about and it wasn't just done in the dojo. It extended beyond the ceremony Right. The ritual etiquette ceremony of bowing in, bowing out and how you did things with with the teachers that people would do outside the dojo as well. But it's kind of odd, you know, to walk up to somebody and, you know, sensei and bow very, very deeply on the street and whatever. But people will carry that stuff around. Um, But where we got lessons about, um, you know, how to. Uh, everything from how to blend in to how to uh, produce results. And um, the instruction we got was, uh, is our responsibility to become influential, powerful individuals who can get things done. As a matter of fact, Katsumi Sensei used other words that really ruffle people's feathers. Okay. It's your responsibility to be rich. Okay. I'm tired of seeing people uh, I'm tired. <laughs> this hasn't happened in a while because I've made a couple of comments and now the person is more respectful. But I'm sure there's there's some things for several of these people that is still underlying on the un, under the surface. And given the right conditions, they'll they, they have a, a there's a pretty a pretty good chance that they'll do it again. But um, I've I've made reference to uh, th- just different things along the way and. Um, these these people have like just come at me and they were in they weren't direct one on one students, but they were members of our organization. OK. And. You know, a week, five minutes, 10 days, a year, whatever. Before that, you know, talking about respect and uh, I appreciate what you know, what you're teaching. And I see you as one of my teachers and all that. And then. Next thing you know, there's just this firestorm coming from them, right? As if I were one of their social peers. Which I'm not. And this is not an egocentric position. This is not that, right? But again, I don't think people can see the coffee stains on the counter, so to speak. Okay. These individuals have had such a need to make their point. Usually there's some kind of social agenda kind of thing, right? Um, You know, and it could be environmentalism. It could be whatever, right? And 
usually my comeback to those kind of things is uh, I would take you more seriously if you took a month or a year and went to a depressed or oppressed area and did the actual work instead of just condemning people who don't do what you're not doing, but because you're shouting from the rooftop, you supposedly have the virtue. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. Okay. So, or, you know, people should be opening their doors and let homeless people live with them. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, from an altruistic standpoint. How many live with you? How many have you allowed to move into your house with your family? Okay. So see, you stand out much more and people have a better role model and are more likely to take you seriously when it comes to you screaming about a cause. If you're actually neck deep in the shit, that's supposed to be the problem to be solved. Right. Just like a martial arts teacher, right? If I don't use my seatbelt or I don't, um, I'm not aware. I don't lock my doors. I don't, uh, whatever. I'm not aware as I move around places. You know, I don't position my wife in a certain place so I can have field of vision and whatnot, right? Um, why should my students take me any, take me seriously when I teach to do those things, right? I've had students that come out, come out with me or whatever. And, um, you know, a lot, most of them now, right? James, most of them know that uh, they'll, they'll look at me and go, where are you sitting? Sensei? Right. But, and it has nothing to do with where am I sitting? Like at the head of the table, it's where am I sitting so I can see what's going on. But if it's a peer, right? I've had, I have students that started out very, very low on the totem pole and now they're six, seven, three black belts, right? We're out and they'll look at me and I'll go, trust you right? because I'm paying attention to you while we're having a conversation. And if your eyebrows shift or those facial micro expressions kick in that says there's something odd in the other going on in the other direction, I'm, I pay attention to those cues. Okay. There have been a couple of people that wanted to just sit down in a certain spot and I'll start to sit down and go, Oh, do you want to sit here? I go, no, I can respond when your look of panic kicks in. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, right? So again, it's 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 the walking, this all kind of thing. But let's let's steer away from those, right? Um, it's this bigger picture, okay? So um, even if we stepped away from the day-to-day respect or that sonke of showing due respect to your seniors, senior students, teachers, people giving you whatever, right? And we stepped away from the literal sense of uh, veshiki, of uh, ceremonial etiquette, right? And we just paid attention to these things are done so I don't lose face with someone that... Even if we just focus on the egocentric kind of thing, because some folks aren't beyond that yet. So if everything is going to go back to ego and we're only going to do something because we're getting something or we're trying to avoid getting a positive or avoiding a negative, then we can act in spite of ourselves and make sure that we're being mindful to not 
be an accomplice to her own ass kicking. Right? Um, many of these people who have had their little flame kind of things in my direction, for whatever reason they felt self-righteous about, they get very limited interaction from me. And it's not because I'm resentful because they did it, but because, again, why would I give more lessons to somebody who can't control themselves? It's an open question. Right? Anyway, so within the martial arts, right, um, it's generally two types of bowings. And we'll just we'll just go to bowing at the moment, right? Because there can seem like a contradiction. And in the general martial arts world that I came from, I can only speak from my experience, both witnessing things and experiencing things in the dojo. There is this thing, right, where, right, like from the karate kid, ruka eye, always ruka eye, right, when you bow. Like if I don't look you in the eye, somehow you can get a sneaky shot in on me. Except that when I watch people bow in the West, they bow at handshake distance. Well, you better look somebody in the eye because you're going to crack skulls if you bow to the correct distance. But unless you have your freaking eyes closed or I don't know what else is going on, right? When I bow, I can see his hands and feet. So unless he has a fucking alien that comes out of his chest right, and stabs me in the top of my skull while I'm bowing, I can see the things that he can attack me with. I'm looking at his waistline so I can see weapons that are there. And I'm not up on top of him. Right? There's a different bowing distance. Okay? Because in Asian culture, let's go back to just general everyday kind of things. Right? I don't look somebody in the eye when I bow. And the reason I don't look at them in the eye is because looking somebody in the eye when you're bowing says, I don't trust you. Well, see, from a martial arts context, yeah, okay, we'll get there in a minute. Okay? But from a general context, if I have no reason to distrust this person, they're my training partner. They're my teacher. Right? I mean, if it's just a free-for-all in the dojo and people can just smack you whenever the hell they feel like it, um, that's that's a different environment. Right? That's a competitive kind of – anyway. So in Japan – if you look at somebody's eyes when you bow, what you're saying is, I don't trust you. And they forgive a lot from Gaijin because you're like a little kid. You don't know any better. You can't see the coffee stains on the counter. Okay? But you just don't do that. Right? Because I'm showing respect. And this this is even getting past the, the low man bows first and lowest. Or lower. Okay? Because if you bow last or higher, what you're doing is disrespecting the other person and their position. What you just said was, I am above you and I am better than you. Okay. Now, there's lots of comedians, that Japanese comedians that make fun of that kind of stuff. But either way, it is what it is. Right. So but either way, you don't look you don't look in the eyes. Okay. Well. But what about these? Okay, so in the context, because I want to put these, I want to put these ritual etiquette things, right, in context. Because again, the K and Re, remember I said they're not mutually exclusive. Okay, because one was 
to not lose face, but the other one was more of an obligatory kind of thing. But it, I'm going to show you something how in the martial arts, these will reverse positions. Okay. So if you've learned the staff, uh, long staff, Kukushinden uh, stuff, or you've learned a uh, sword or whatever, right? There are these, again, what I call combat battles. Okay. But you are at a really far distance from the person. Okay. Weapons are out. And so there is this thing where the fist comes to the floor or the flat of the hand comes to the floor, the elbow slightly flexed, and you have your eyes on them, and then you come back up. Okay. Just like the Japanese have obligatory statements, right? You say these things so that they don't lose face for screwing up. There are obligatory gestures. In that context, I don't trust you. We're about to try to kill one another. Or we're going to carry that, those actions out, right? And so, of course, I would keep my eye on you. The bow is an obligatory gesture showing respect to your enemy. But here's this other thing about respect that has to come in, right? I don't know the word for this. If you can look it up, great, okay? I'm bowing because it's an obligation, okay? I'm not bowing because I'm holding you in higher esteem, okay? Hatsumi-sensei um, has done lessons on these, and I make sure that my students get them, so here we are. We cannot confuse... the warrior's respect on the battlefield with the general everyday respect in society. In society, we show respect because of things like gratitude or we're in awe of something or we revere it or we're honoring it or we don't want to lose face or whatever. Okay. On the battlefield, the warrior's respect is not the same it's the respect that comes with a level of understanding. Okay. And this is the way he explained it to me. I respect his intent to do me harm. And I will position myself relative to that. So that it's not easy for him. Okay. So, in Bushido, we often say we show respect even to the even to the opponent. On one side, there's the obligatory, I respect you as a warrior, I respect that kind of thing, but I'm going to take my eyes off of you. On the other side, it's a different brand of respect. I respect your intent to harm me, which is why the bowing forms are way far apart. Okay. And if you know the bowing form with the Rokushakubo, with the long staff, what's the first action after the bow is completed? And the staff is brought back into a Katte Tenchi no Komai. What's the first action, James? It slams down to the floor of the attack. An attempted tokiuch. Right. You're, not, you're not slamming. Well, you, if you're farther apart, you could be slamming it down because... 
you're trying to stall him from taking an initial action to get you. So you're, it's, it's kind of a startling kind of thing. But that's not the way I learned it. I learned it that, see, you're slamming it down. But as a part of the action, you may have to shift it slightly back or forward so that the length of the staff or spear, the tip of it, smashes their toes or their instep. Because if I can do that, it stalls him and I can kill him with the first shot or the next shot. Okay. So we would practice like doing the smacking thing because we're practicing to slide our hand down the staff to get that, that momentum. Right. But once we got that, Right, properly holding this thing. Do I even have anything? Well, it doesn't matter because the guy's on. Well, I'll use this. I have a base out here that I need to set up on my on my uh, uh, commies out here in the dojo or in my home office. Right, I've got a commies out. I've got a butsudan. I've got another butsudan. Anyway, so I'm going to hold this this way. Right, so we're holding it like this. Right, so this is a really important position because when you slam it down, you want to make sure that your fingers aren't underneath the stick. Because the stick, when the stick attacks the ground and you're in between there, yeah, it sucks. But I'm holding it this way so that it doesn't happen. But what I'm doing is I'm sliding my hand down, right? But I also need to learn how to hold it like this. So as I come up, I, during the bowing process, I'm gauging distance. And I need to know the length of my weapon and how to gauge distance between he and I. So... When, so the, the staff is put into the bowing position, and then we come up, we grab the tail end, if we bring it up this way. When we bring it up, we place it, and if so he's a little bit closer. Remember, we're, we're trying to hit the top of the foot. So we'll back it up a little bit, or we'll move it forward, right? So when we do that shot, right, it, it bites, right? And if we miss, it's even scarier because it was like a near miss, right? And you can often get a next shot in right after that, right? But again, right, respecting his intent to do me harm because he should be respecting mine. And I think, again, here's, I, I did a, was it a Whiteboard Wednesday on lessons that are a part of kata but are not in the written description of the kata? Yes. Right? One of those were these mindful attitudes, okay? Because the mistake that arrogant people make, disrespectful people make, is they're focusing on their skills and their ability to whoop ass, but they're not respecting his skills. And so they make dumb mistakes or they escalate things or they become an accomplice to their own ass kicking or they get themselves thrown in jail or whatever, right? So... In the martial world, we have both conventional etiquette, right? If we're not engaged in a martial kind of thing, right? Because right? it's, you know, we're, we're, we're not doing an obligatory bow, okay? We're showing gratitude, okay? We should be showing gratitude to our training partner. They're gifting us with, thanks for donating your body to the cause, just like I'm donating, donating my body to your cause, right? And showing gratitude to the teacher. Oh, I'm bowing because it's a sign of respect. What does that mean? What does the word respect mean? What does this mean in Japanese? 
Okay. Um, yes, we have the obligatory bow, but there's also this mindset. Okay. Cops should have it for bad guys. Okay. Cops are, how many rules are we, uh, are imposed on us? Carl, don't start counting because we, we know what that's like, right? Same thing in the corrections world and whatnot, right? Um, but we better freaking, we, we better respect the intents and intentions and motivations of the bad guy because they're already a criminal. To assume that they're just going to go along, I mean, wouldn't that be great? Okay. Most do. Those who don't, some give it their good college try, and other ones, they'll shoot you in the fucking face. Excuse my language. Okay? Because they have no more regard for you than they do for the person that they just killed. As a matter of fact, it's probably less. Okay? So here's this, right? As a warrior, we generally show respect. Okay? Because it's another human being. And as a warrior protector, I want everyone to feel safer and happier and at ease wherever I happen to be. And they should because I'm there. And this is not because I'm there from an ego standpoint. I'm there and at least one person in the room has the skills to keep them safe if shit goes sideways. Right? And I recognize that. But at the same time, that doesn't put them beneath me. Because as a warrior, right, samurai, one who serves, they're automatically above me because I'm willing to put my life on the line for these people. But at the same time, I don't know most of these people in whatever space I find myself. Unless I'm at home, I don't know them. So I don't know what could trigger any one of them to do whatever. So we, we are highly vigilant, but we touch things lightly. Okay. So anyway, um, so from the martial perspective, right? Teacher, the art, the soke, all those kind of things, right? Um, are we in all of these things? Are they worth right? The honor or the reverence that we would give them, right? Um, Are we grateful uh, for the gifts that have been passed down for century, two, half a century, whatever, okay? Um, Do we hold it in esteem, right? Do, Do we hold it as having high value? Or is it just another fucking hobby, Right. Okay. Now, from a basic self-defense thing, I'm, I'm going to go back to that. Right. People, people paint targets on themselves because, as James pointed out, I mean, he was t- talking about a corrections officer kind of thing. Right. But how many people are attacked because they flipped off somebody in traffic? It just happened to be the wrong person at the wrong moment. Right. How many people? You know where I'm going with this. Okay. We, 
I, I was going to say we can't claim self-defense. People do it all the time. I, when I was a cop, again, everybody, everybody I've ever, me and my partners ever pulled apart because they were fighting, obviously fighting, right? It was not a self-defense situation. Both people, every time, claim self-defense. Just defending myself. Well, sure you were. He was trying to punch you in the head just like you were trying to punch him in the head, and you were ducking his punches and trying to, you know, you're trying to win without getting hurt. I get it. Okay? But it's not a self-defense situation. Okay. But people don't carry themselves like. Okay. One more story. Um, someone had sent me a video today of somebody who is teaching um, home defense with firearms. Okay. I know a lot of you guys are across the pond or farther and you don't have those kind of issues and whatnot, but either way. So, his uh, his point was to never use a handgun for home defense. So his point was to use a shotgun with double lock buck because there's like eight or nine pellets in the in the round and instead of one round and whatever. Right. And he's using these ham. I don't know what they are. Right? Ham. I don't I don't need ham, but it's this big old rounded kind of thing. Right. And so fired three nine millimeter rounds into the thing and he's making this point about look at the tail end here here's the damage and whatever right Uh, now let me fire three rounds into this thing with this shotgun fires off one round the thing exploded and he said um i guess i don't get to fire off the other two rounds okay okay great um but now we have a problem because i think this goes to Again, still not seeing the broader picture, not understanding the full scope of self-defense. And this ends up going to a self-respect issue. Because in our, in our curriculum, again, I can only speak for our stuff, right? In our curriculum, one of the things that students get is this framework that's called the eight phases of effective self-defense strategy starts with general awareness, which is not paying attention to your surroundings. That's phase two, situational awareness. Phase one is understanding what dangers you're likely to encounter so you can start your training there and understanding the full scope of the self-defense paradigm, which includes the other seven phases, right? So, but it just, it goes through these things. Phase eight is having to potentially defend yourself against the legal system. And the problem here, which I believe goes to any weapon or technique that we use, I don't care if you live in a country where nobody has firearms, right? Um, The choice of your technique is a part of the self-defense paradigm. So, but this person's point I think, I mean, I understand where it comes from, right? Because you're going to do whatever it takes to defend the, the household. Not, I get it, okay? But I also understand the limited mentality that it comes from as well. It's the same one that produces the I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six, which speaks of ignorance as well. Because if you don't understand trial science, then you don't understand that you're not going to be tried by your peers, okay? And at least here in the States, the prosecution and the defense get to disqualify a certain number of jurors to try to stack the jury box 
with people that are more likely to to uh, vote in their favor. Okay, so it's not it's not what people think it is. Okay? And in some countries, it's three people who sit up in front of you, and they're going to vote in the best in best interest of the social structure or whatever the ruling power is or whatever. So anyway, um, you need to understand the problem. Okay. So anyway, um, but this, this goes to in original intent. Okay? If my choice of weapon is the one that does the most damage, the quickest, right? That shotgun is probably going to kill a person. Especially with that, that those nine rounds that are coming, or those nine pellets that are coming out that are what, half the size of a nine millimeter round? Okay. 99.8% of the time that you're going to kill a guy. Okay. So the choice of it, because that's the outcome, right? That, that's not the same as me putting a round or two in somebody, right? Where they could die. But, right, I get, I get more control. Proving defense in one situation over another is completely different. Okay? Same thing with whatever technique I'm applying and not being mindful of use of force or my obligation in a self-defense situation is escape, not domination. Okay? As a matter of fact, um, James, we were talking briefly earlier. I, I saw somebody, um, somebody within our realm, not our school, but within our realm, post something about um, wearing the attacker down, wearing your opponent down. Remember that? We were talking about that. Wearing the opponent down um, because uh, if they are better skilled than you and stronger than you and things like that, um, that's what you're going to have to resort to, right? You've got to stick it out long enough to wear them down so that you have a chance of winning. I understand that from a competitive standpoint where it's you and them and a ref in the ring, but in a back alley or a battlefield, we have something that's that they have something that we don't, they have a two minute round. They have a five minute round. They have multiple rounds, right? We have the glycogen stores, which is seven to 11 seconds, depending on your uh, fitness level. And we have the time between when things started and somebody else intercedes that may or may not be there in my best interest, which means we don't have a lot of time. You don't have, you don't have time to wear somebody down. Okay. You have to be now. It's not that we don't wear them down, but you have to do the things that will render their body not able. Okay. Cause I, I hesitate to use the word inoperative because people think that I'm, I mean, kill them. Right. What I mean is it can't functionally get at me um, well enough to carry out the, the I'm pointing my head for the uh, uh, audio only guys um, that the controller, it, it doesn't matter what the controller wants. The body can't, the machine can't carry out the directives. Right. So, but not knowing the full scope 
of the problem that we are supposedly trying to solve, right, speaks to a lack of self-respect, self-interest, because even if even if we were never taught, just like Hatsumi Sensei's lesson through Seno Sensei way back in the day about just because nobody taught you or, you know, there's not an excuse. It's your responsibility to know how you're supposed to carry yourself in the dojo. It's your responsibility to know what you could potentially face and not be walking around like some douche who thinks that as long as I learn the skills and techniques and weapons that will shut down somebody or kill them on the street or whatever, then, okay, I've successfully defended myself. Yeah. Phase one. Okay. Phase two. Have, are you capable of defending yourself against the visions that will never leave you for the rest of your life of the look on their face or their chest exploding or whatever, or the, the actions contrary to a lifetime of, of programming that started when you were a young child, right? About hurting other people. And you've taken that to its, to its greatest extent and you've, crippled or ended another human life because I promise you they don't go away neither do the little traumatic moments right of being in bad situations like that okay takes a long time to reassociate the smell of gunpowder to a firing range and not a small tiny island the diameter of inner city Philadelphia or uh, I still, I still don't handle uh, fireworks displays. Fireworks are great as long as they're high aerial things, but those flashbangs still affect me at my core. So are you prepared for that? That's phase two, phase three. Are you able to defend defend yourself against the powers that be who don't care what you believe? They follow the evidence. Or they follow the evidence that matches their agenda. And that is both on the side of a DA, so criminal charges, and even if it doesn't go that way, on the side of a lawyer that's representing the family who's looking for blood or they're looking for a free paycheck because they're suing you for damages. If you have not thought about these things, then you have not respected yourself enough to know everything you can about the problem of self-defense. And that may make me an ass by now using the term you directly speaking to you, but my job isn't to be anything more than friendly when friendliness is necessary um, when I'm helping students. 
my job is to faithfully pass on the lessons and to make you aware of things that you may not have been aware of so that you can then go about collecting the skills necessary for solving that part of the problem. Everybody likes to avoid frustration and all that kind of stuff in the, in the dojo. But frustration and failure is a direct sign that you're missing information or skills necessary to produce results in that direction. So the question should be, what's next? What don't I know about this? Or whatever. Right? But ultimately, this all starts with respect. And hopefully, if I've done this right tonight, I've covered all three areas. Respecting him or anybody else that's on the other side of me, right? In context with the relationship that we have, if it's positive or neutral, I'm going to do things, even if they're not showing respect, because it's a sign of who I am, regardless of who they are. Two, if they have intent on harming me, right? I still respect the fact that they're a human being. And from a karmic standpoint, what I do to them and to the degree to which I do it affects everyone else that they're connected to and may love them or whatever. So it's bad karma. Either way, justifiable or not. And his third one is, do I respect myself? Do I respect my loved ones enough to know as much about this topic as possible to not let myself get snow blinded by the fantasy world or by the belts or by the whatever, right? So that I can do what I'm, I, I, so I can walk the talk, so I can do what I say that I'm doing. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to round this out with one more. By doing that, or here's, well, let's form it as a question. Am I doing what I need to do to uphold my responsibility as a member at whatever level of this organization, of this art, to the art itself, its history, its past masters, my teacher, and the grandmaster, or again, in this case, grandmasters, right, who are now the guides of this, this art? Am I showing due respect and reverence in those directions. And even if none of that is anything I give a shit about, am I doing what I need to do to not lose face with those people that ultimately get to decide whether or not I get the lessons or not? I tried to cover that from both an egocentric and a greater compassionate perspective. But anyway, you guys decide as to whether I covered that or not. All right. Questions, comments, James, do you have anything else to throw on top of this? Cause we, we had a long discussion about this, this respect thing earlier, everything from the flaming comments on social media to people who want a lesson. And when I say that they have certain things that they need to do or whatever, next thing I know, I get a freaking flaming email back and you know, whatever. Well, thanks for disqualifying yourself. That's, <laughs> and I wish you well. Right. So um, anyway, questions, comments, anything you want to throw on top of things? Um, 
I'd love to hear from Carl or anybody else that's, that's uh, seniors and been around on both sides, right? General everyday self-defense kind of things, uh, whether cop, security, whatever, um, but also this carrying yourself as a warrior because they've been involved in martial arts for a long time too. I don't want to like sidestep you guys. Um, this isn't just a me forum, even though it's 99% me. Um, so if Victor's on, if Carl's on, I'd, I'd love to hear perspective from a lot of these guys, um, how we carry things differently. Uh, Cause Phil's been in different martial arts, uh, you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm not all ears, but kind of small for me, but, as my daughters like to remind me, lobby, 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 because genetics are a bitch. But anyway, um, what do we got? What do we have, James? Uh, Riley Joseph McConnell said, "Thank you for your time." You bet. Yes. Florida Budo says, "Unfortunately, it is so easy to throw the stones and disrespect online. It is, oh. both, yeah. it is both easy and there's no, no retribution." Yeah, you want to you want to hear about some the, the the latest disrespect in our direction? James found it today. Some dipshit hiding behind a handle that I haven't found yet stole my um, Kubaton. Is it the Kubaton keychain book? Yeah. Yes. And uploaded it to Scribed, where almost 500 people already have accessed it and read the book, and that book is for sale on the website. So either they bought it or somebody else did and then they got it and then they uploaded it and they weren't even smart enough to because what a lot of people do when they circumvent copyright things is they'll upload the thing, but they'll cut out the copyright statement like cutting it out suddenly makes it not applicable. But they left it there um, and I have a legalese copyright statement which is rather short. And then I have a note to the bad guys, which spells out explicitly what I will do uh, legally and otherwise, if you violate this thing, because this is how I support my family and do good in the world and shit like that. Right. So, but they left that in there. Okay. But yeah. Um, now that's, that's disrespect from somebody who's just criminally minded and a dick. Right. But somebody else, supposedly in the realm of needed to, did this a bunch of years ago, and they put together a book on self-defense and then took one of my e-books and attached it to the to the tail end of it, uh, making it a part of their supposed original work, except it wasn't an original work. They scalped a bunch of experts' things and created a book and then offered it from themselves. Hmm. And unfortunately, this happens way too often, and I know. You know, we all have stories about how things came to us by way of the Budo winds. But regardless of whether you respect the person or you understand, man, I don't make enough money or what. Look, you know, there's always ways to get things. And I mean, look at YouTube shit. Right. Um but ultimately, it goes back to self-respect, right? An upstanding person carries themselves a certain way, and unless they're in dire straits. Now, I have received things, and I have done things because it was an expedient. But when I was in a better position, because I was, I'm always trying to be in a better position, 
right? I don't walk around with the whole victim mentality kind of thing because you know how the victim mentality thing works, right? Um, James, you and I have had these conversations too, right? Because um, that's, a, that's a level of self-respect, right? It's easy to blame everybody else because everybody's out to get me, right? And I'm the oppressed one and I'm the whatever, right? Um, uh, does anybody, anybody know um, what it takes to be in the 1%? of the world's population when it comes to uh, being rich? How much you have to make a year? Worldwide. You know, because we're all taught to hate the one percenters. Do you know, James? Mm. I want to say it's like four something, 400. 400,000? Something like that. Yeah. Worldwide? $32,000 a year. <laughs> and again, you know, I'm, I'm coming at this from the Mikio perspective and all these kind of things where the goal is to seek to see clearly and to understand how things work. And that includes certain personality types and mentalities and all those kind of things because I had to work through my own. Okay? And here's how the victim mentality works. Do you know how they define rich? Anybody who has more money than they do. So no matter how much they make, there's always somebody to hate. Because it's... There's been some pretty popular political figures and influencers and all that, and they wanted millionaires to be hammered hard. And then a book sold well or a program sold well or whatever, next thing you know... They're now making millions, so now they want the billionaires hammered hard. Because it's that never enough kind of mentality, right? It's always the us against them version. Okay. Anyway, but you're absolutely right, Victor. That's more the boot. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to do that. Um, and the anonymity online, right? But again... This is not being able to see the picture, the big enough picture, because you're not invisible. Ultimately, no one's invisible online. You can hide behind VPNs. You can put multiple layers and all that kind of stuff. But the right person with the right knowledge, just like all passwords are hackable, all that stuff, right? The right person with the right knowledge who wants to get you. I mean, shit, if my guys who do white hat hacking could find a hacker who virtually destroyed one of our sites one year. And one of my students at the time was connected with a group. If they could find him sitting in a cafe in Tehran on his laptop and expose him to the world in a couple of keystrokes, and he was an expert hacker, these dipshits would do this stuff. They're not anonymous. They, they just feel that way. Right? And feeling invincible and being invincible are two completely different things. Just like feeling like you're right and being right. Okay? People who know they're right and don't have an egocentric need to be right don't argue with people. Okay? They smile and say, do whatever makes you sleep well at night. But we never know who we're having a fight with. And even if you do, 
There are, there are uh, illnesses, diseases, and or medical treatments that can cause somebody to suddenly not be themselves tomorrow. Probably best to not be at the top of their list, no matter how tough you are. Because the rule of thumb is, no matter how tough you are when you're wide awake, you're as helpless as a baby when you're sleeping. So let's start by not pissing off the people who know where we sleep. Okay, and again, right? That doesn't that doesn't stop you from being a target, but it certainly eliminates a whole freaking bunch of basketfuls, doesn't it? Right? Now you only have to worry about using your skills against somebody who's going to attack you no matter what. Right? Talk about ramping up your justification for self-defense. Anyway, what else do we have? Uh, Carl said, great lesson, much to ponder, can definitely identify events in my personal and professional life which concur. Yeah. And, you know, here's here's my, I'm not a betting man, but here's my bet. I bet bet Carl and uh, Victor and a bunch of other folks who probably have little to no reason, I mean, they're going to find it if they look but they have less of a reason to go looking for these moments or these parts of themselves or whatever, right? They're the ones that are going to do most of the work. The people that are routinely doing the bullshit have either disconnected and jumped off the the podcast early or are floating through it, but they're not going to look because they've already justified all the reasons why it's okay for them to do it and why they're the target of their disrespect was worthy of their wrath. Again, the unenlightened mind focuses outward. The enlightened mind focuses inward without worrying about whether or not it's enlightened. Okay. Cause when I say enlightened, those people who are have already shook it off, right? That's not me. Because they're too busy self-checking to be worrying about what everybody else is doing. And their concern about what everybody else is doing is to the extent that, right, is everybody okay? Or is anybody being stupid and bringing that stupidity in my direction? Or is there anybody suffering and needs my help? But again, remember, these are all just my opinions. My show, my opinion. <laughs> I guess is what it comes down to. But um, I promise you I've done a, a lot of work and I'm still doing the work. I just did this Thursday is the last class for the Sanjay Shishtobon program as a live program. We're going to release it again here soon as, uh, as an evergreen. There just won't be all the extra extra, extra, uh, what do you call them? Coaching to go with it and whatnot. So obviously the, the price will be lower, but, uh, uh, I did it in part because I needed a booster shot. We're going to be doing another one here in another week or two, right? On the tail end of this one. Not Sanjay Chichi Goball. It'll be a different program, but in the, in that realm. So anyway, what else we got? 
Yeah, Victor said he's on the same page as you. And he also said that he was told that it was also a form of Kiai when you were talking about the uh, Toki Uch with the bow staff. Yes. But Kiai, uh, like Mantra, right, come in different forms. There are, um, I'm, I'm going to use the spoken word, but there are the, all these other things, right? Um, there's the verbal, right, where you you think about the thing that's being, it's either the lesson or the the thing that's being expressed or acted out in the world and whatnot. And so that's the, the one that most people think of, the actual verbal chanting, right? There's that. There's another level where you are doing it audibly, but the, the, you don't have to remind yourself of the lesson. There's the feeling that comes along with it. And then there's all the way down to where mantra literally blends with just physical action, right? Um, but the way I was introduced to Kiai is that Kiai is the, is the sound of energy occurring, Right. So thunder is the key for lightning, the snapping and crackling of sparks that are jumping off of a wire. Right. Is that the is the key for that power that's occurring. Right. So anything that we do. Right. When you do that thing with the staff. Right. So that's the, the key of that of that energy. Right. That 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 action. Right. So. Um, but, that you know, we've got all these other key too that, that go along with things. There's. Uh, there's four of them that are listed at the tail end of need to do history and tradition. Right. Uh, so, but I was also given five key that mirror work from the Mikio perspective. And so that, but again, it's a, it's a way to communicate um, not just power wise and whatever, but you're, you're communicating with, with this type of key that I'm talking about now, you're communicating to their, uh, their, the primitive centers of the brain and the lower survival functions and whatnot that, uh, you're, you're not communicating with the neocortex that language is, is processed by, right? You're affecting them at their very core. So you can call it spirit, you can call it whatever, but, uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, Riley just put in a question. What are some archetypal signs of disrespect? that people aren't aware they're sending to others based on mind science. Archetypal? Yes. Not sure I understand the question. We all, we all understand what disrespect looks like. We understand it from, from our core, right? Um, but you would have to, and th this is not the form for that kind of thing, and you would have to explore personality type you could explore personality types on the western side but um maybe that would be a good uh a good um uh a good pre-webinar to do for like one of the upcoming programs that we're going to do that have to do with uh, uh the mikio side of things but a good place to start with that paring it down so you didn't have to look at the 16 or whatever bunch that come along with the Western things. Um, 
I think there's now even more than that, way, way more than that. Um, I always default to the six um, realms on the Tibetan Wheel of Life. Those six realms are actually a early attempt at defining personality types. And while only one realm on there looks like it, you know, belongs, has anything to do with humans, they're all personality types. And because they're all perspectives on the world. So the animal realm are those, those people who are bound by, um, patterns and, um, dominated by their, their natural instincts. Okay. Um, but each one of these things comes with, um, bad habits. It comes with uh, fears and all those kind of things that we're acting out of. But this is where the disrespect would come from. It's not, try not to look at the, Words and actions of disrespect. I mean, you can look, you can look at them, but if you're going to understand one, how to deal with them and two, um, how to help somebody through them and three, how to combat them, you need to understand the, the needs or desires and the weaknesses or fears that come that, that, create them right said another way what's the intent behind it what's their motivation behind it okay so here's here's a something and this came out of my mikyo training way back in the day because i had a question about this um in mikyo there's this uh, thing known as vajra anger now in in the spiritual realm most people think that spiritual people are just all going to be like you know rainbows and unicorn farts and stuff like that right it's all nice and happy and blissful and whatever, right? Um, they never get angry. They never, you know, are afraid or whatever. That's just, that's just, well, if they, if that's true, then they're non-corporeal because they're not human, right? They, they've somehow destroyed the, uh, the mechanisms within us that are defensive mechanisms, right? Um, and so anyway, um, there was this thing that came up about Vajra anger, which is very uh, cold and clean, like a, the Vajra is a, is a diamond thunderbolt. So it's a truth kind of thing, and it's a power that happens in an instant and is indestructible. You know, it's like a flash of lightning. <clears throat> really, really powerful, but happens in an instant, and then it's gone, right? What's left behind is not the lightning. What's left behind is the fire that the lightning started or whatever, right? So Vajra anger is anger that happens like in an instant and then it's gone. Okay. There's no, there's no residual leftover. There's no, um, there's no uh, fuming or mumbling under your breath or holding on to that asshole or whatever. Okay. Um, so the teacher was explaining this and I'm like, because because of my experience, I'm like, holy shit. Okay, so here's my question, right? How is that different than the spoiled child or the asshole who's going to throw a temper tantrum to get what they want, and the moment they get it, it goes away, and they're now acting like nothing ever happened. Everything's back to being unicorns and rainbow farts, or rainbows and unicorn farts, right? How is How is that different? And the answer is intent. Vajra anger occurs because something is happening 
that is damaging or dangerous. And like that lightning bolt, it strikes quickly to resolve the situation because niceness was not going to work. And, and uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, an analogy that I give on a regular basis because it's just easy for me to remind people of this thing, right? You got two kids that are screwing around next to the road, right? The road and there's cars coming and all that. And they're pushing and shoving, right? And like they're pushing each other off the curb, right? But there's shit coming, right? Somebody's going to get hurt, right? And I'm walking by and I go, knock it the fuck off, right? They don't know me. I don't know them, but I do it. It causes them to stop. And now they're standing there calling me names or they're talking to each other about that asshole old guy who walked by and they weren't doing anything. But guess what they're not doing? They're not pushing and shoving each other into traffic. Okay. And now I walk down the street, you know, I can hear it or whatever, but it's all done. I get, I get on with my day. It's intent. What was my intent? My intent was to cut through, because me going, boys, 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 chill out, man, stop, whatever, right? It's that kind of energy is not, and maybe I started with that, but then it, that wasn't working. So this sharp, hey, right? Now, what I did was I inserted a common enemy between these two people that pulled their mind away from what they were doing to something else. And created safety. But it was sharp. It was quick. And now I'm not walking down the road going, dumb kids. Because now what am I doing? Now I have anger and hatred festering in me. It's not affecting them. They can't hear me calling them dumb kids or whatever. Right. And now it's occupying my mind for a useless cause. Right. It's done. It's whatever. Right. But what about the what about the um, self-serving asshole who throws a temper tantrum? It's all about them. And it all goes away because they got what they wanted, regardless of the damage that was caused. I understand karmically I caused damage. They'll shake it off. But why did I do that? Not because they were my kids. Some people only get pissed off and yell at their kids because their kids are doing something that directly affects them and their reputation and and stuff like that. But if they're doing it to somebody else, they think it's funny. There's a sign of disrespect. My kids can do whatever they want. To you, to anybody. As long as it's not affecting me. Right? That's disrespect to the people that your kids are doing damage to. And it's also disrespect on your part towards your children. Not you, but you get the idea, right? Towards your children. You don't respect them enough to teach them the lessons they need to not get their teeth shoved down their throat when they get to be adults or to not be bullying assholes who are disrespectful of other people. But see, people don't think about these things in a big enough format to make the connections. So, but um, if you are so inclined I would highly recommend that you do some study into um, the six realms of existence. Um, and you're going to have to dive deeper than just the, uh, these are people in this state. These are people who are in this realm. And this is, 
how they're suffering and whatever. Okay. Cause they, they are right. But they're suffering of their own accord. They're suffering because of their needs, desires and misunderstanding about how to go about making things happen. Okay. And that's generally how people work. Okay. People use disrespect. People are disrespectful in their actions, in their thoughts, in their words, because and in their, uh, yeah, their words, because they don't know how to accomplish their goals without using, abusing, or damaging other people. They don't know any better. What else? Uh, Dave Fletch said, I'm glad you're going to offer the Mikio course. Well, you are now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked a question a couple of classes back to the people going through the Sanji Shichi Dobon class. Because I believe a lot of people didn't sign up for that because they thought they already knew all that stuff because they want to do Mikio. And so, you know, they'll... You know, they, they've already done their research, right? They know this stuff and they know that stuff and whatnot. And uh, what was my question? My question was, um, who thought this was going to be easier than what it turned out to be? Who went into realms uh, and uh, areas, even though I laid it all out, that they didn't think was going to be a part of this course? Now, imagine going through Mikio, which condenses all this stuff down. And forces things to happen faster. Breakthroughs in, in sight. With speed, it's not just, see, everybody wants, ego wants to focus on the positive outcomes. What are the benefits I'm going to get? But a part of this process is cook, cooking off negative karma. If I accelerate the time factor, I also increase the force of the results, not just the positive. That means the negative, as the ne as the bad karma is cooking itself off, happens way faster. So I, ju I just had a one-on-one -on -one, uh, end of program review with one of my students today, and he was laying out all the reasons why he thought he didn't make any progress in the tail end of this thing. And he was like, almost felt like he was going backwards. And I said, define success. So did you gain clarity? Did you, right? Did you find out that you operate a certain way when this kind of thing happens? Do you find out that like the, the karmic results of not continuing with your meditation or whatever, um, whatever, right? And so, so you didn't have any insights. Okay. Be careful how you define success and failure. <clears throat> okay. Because when you're doing this kind of work, you're going to end up accelerating and increasing the duration, the number of occurrences and the intensity of frustration, confusion, pain, irritation, and the struggle of keeping ego from 
looking elsewhere instead of inwardly. Because this is a process. Remember at the very beginning, I, I, I said I've, I've got to find a replica of this statue to go in my office of the self-made, self-made man. And it's not because I associate myself with being a self-made man. I do, but I, I can't take all the credit for it. I mean, teachers also pounded <laughs> shit into me and stuff like that, right? Um, but it's because, one, it's a never-ending process. And two... It's a process of recreation. If you think you can recreate yourself without disturbing the monsters that are protecting the gates, there's a whole other level of delusion. Okay, It's that hammering and chiseling to recreate oneself because you're knocking shit away that's in the way. But we owned it for so long that we don't want to give, give it up because... We're afraid of feeling groundless. We're afraid of feeling like we don't know how things work. We're afraid of dropping the control freak that needs to be in charge. Even if it doesn't think it needs to be in charge, it needs to be comfortable. And comfort, the edge of comfort is one step away from This is too much fucking hard work. Neither the Mikyo path nor the Nijutsu path is is a is is for the is for the meek at heart or the the lazy or the the easily comforted. So anyway. What else? Victor um, asked if you believe that respect should be implemented in the school. Absolutely. We do not allow the first name basis that is, uh, occurs in the general Bujinkan in my dojo. From the moment somebody walks in, one of their first lessons they get with respect is here we use surnames. Okay. For instructors, whatever I tell parents, right? And let's say it's Mrs. Smith and she's bringing in Johnny or whatever, right? Okay, look at Johnny, and I say, okay, we call all instructors here at a bare minimum, Mr., Miss, Mrs., and their last name, or we say sensei. Once you're around long enough and you understand the teaching titles, you can use those, but at a bare minimum, we answer all questions with yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. I look at mom, and I say, Mrs. Smith, in the academy, we run a professional uh, a professional uh, environment, so... Uh, there's no there's no risk of a student uh, com- confusing here with home, hanging out in the playground, whatever. So I will call you Mrs. Smith. I would appreciate if you call me Mr. Miller. Sensei's not necessary because you're not a student, but you're more than welcome to do that. Okay. Um, so we can maintain this professional air so it helps your child. But I say the same thing to, to students, right? Um, and... How often do I say, I mean, what, the, the teachers may call somebody by their first name or whatever, but um, how often do I call somebody by their first name or their last name and I add San to the end of it? Mm. Sometimes I'll even throw a Sama at them just to see if they're paying attention. Okay, Because if that doesn't cause a level of discomfort, then ego's doing something 
because once I once I say Sama, right, I will say I just called you Lord whatever, which is done in stores in Japan all the time, right? Or you hold a customer up higher and whatnot, okay? But um, if Hatsumi Sensei called me or Shrey Sensei or whatever called me Jeff Sama or whatever, well, thank you Sensei, but no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 yeah, because they're pushing to see what what I'm going to do. Oh, thank you, but Okay, not necessary. Okay. Now, your teacher can also tell you to shut the hell up. It's not for you to decide. As Nagato-sensei did once when I, I had a hiatus because of family things and all kinds of life things that got in the way. And I didn't go to Japan for a couple of years and I went back and I wasn't sure. You know, I've, I've always thought that I was like on the low end of the totem pole. So whatever. Right. And I went back and he uh asked me what my rank was and like rank has never mattered. And, but they've always promoted based on the idea that people with the same number of years in training should be the same rank because your skills should be the same or in the same ballpark. And we all know that's not true. However, dot, 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 what's your rank? This is my rank. How long have you been training? I told him, Oh, I will have to talk to Hatsumi Sensei about this. And I said, oh, thank you, Sensei, but that's not necessary. And he said, and you can shut the hell up because it's not for you to decide. And I said, I apologize. I'm sorry. Um, and I let it go because there's all the only thing that's left to do at that point is smile and nod. So it is what it is, right? But they all know, and Hatsumi Sensei laughed at uh, one of the ranks I got. They asked me what my rank was, and I knew what was coming. And I said it to the interpreter, okay, you're now this rank. And I said, fucking wonderful. And everybody in front of me, like, could have had a fucking stroke because you, you don't say that. Well, I said it under my breath. And even the interpreter, one of those things, and Hutzman said they were laughing because he knows how I feel about it. But he doesn't care. And so I smile and accept the gift crawl back off to another fucking dark corner and continue to train to earn a rank that I don't think I'm close to. So anyway, here's what it is. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, Sim said selective outrage for perceived offenses. Well, it's all perceptions, right? I mean, people decide what's important, but they are, again, I think a big problem that people have, and, and we're, we're if, if we do, it doesn't matter which program we do, but um, we have this first seven steps on the path of a Buddha that is an absolute prerequisite to me introducing anybody to Mikyo anything. So I'm not sure if we're going to do that or if we're going to do uh, the Goshin Bo, which is psychological self-defense. It's a precursor to Kuji. Kuji itself is a, is a, block of knowledge from within the grander Mikyo things that are specific to warriors, all that kind of stuff. That's, that's a big chunk. So anyway, um, uh, what'd you say originally to that? Um, perceived, perceived, right? Um, it's, it's all perceived, right? The, the trick with this training, yes, I know we're gaining skills and all that kind of stuff, but the, the skills are the skills that you get from the practice are like a side effect 
right? If you seek them out, if you if you try to develop them overtly, you're only going to make limited progress. It's working the process regardless of the outcome and trusting that the process leads to the outcome where you you make your greatest uh, kind of things. But um, one of the primary goals, regardless of whether we're working the Sanji Shikidobon, the precursor lessons that are necessary to enter the, 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 the Mikyo path, step on the Mikyo path, or anything like that, right, is to get your perspective, right, of the, of the double eightfold path, right perspective, right view, right belief, that is first for a reason, to get that as close to being in line with nature, universal law, all this stuff that Hatsumisate talks about, right? The Ninpo Ikan, right? The way of the ninjas, the way of the universe, the way of the ninjas, the way of uh, uh, naturalness, the way of the ninja is the one way. One way is always an, is, is always a reference to uh, Dharma, the truth, what is, is, that kind of thing. So the goal with the practice is to get your perspective to line up with the way things are. Cuts down on negativity, cuts down on... Uh, uh, suffering, right, allows you to produce results faster because you're acting in accordance with the principles and concepts that govern the universe. It's just, right, but ego doesn't want to do that. Ego wants to memorize the rituals. It wants to memorize the, the, the answers to the questions and the lessons and all that kind of stuff because it's easier, just like it's easier for people to talk a good show, it's easier for ego to... Um, to sound like it's enlightened than it is to do the work to be enlightened because it's, again, it's a lot of fucking hard work, right? And it's painful. But one of the analogies of the enlightenment process or mastery is the same process that goes into making a sword. You don't make a sword. I mean, people make swords all the time by taking a piece of sheet metal and taking a... um, machine to it and cutting out the blank and attaching some wood to it and all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, how well does it hold an edge? Um, it's going to bend, right? It's just, it's, you know, because the process was what I want to do quick. I want to do cheap and I want to do easy. Okay. But you don't make a sword that way. How many times is the metal in that sword folded? What most people don't understand is that, the swordsmith has way more broken pieces and warped pieces that were supposed to be swords in a junk pile than they have the good things that get turned out. Because if the if the if the process is worked properly, the and that's not a problem, that's not the issue, then the issue is the material. We're the material. Okay. Anyway. All right. Good stuff. Well, it's all, it always sounds like it's good stuff until you get neck deep into the process. And then, shit. Then you find out. Then you find out whether or not, using a matrix uh, analogy, you're going to, take another red pill or you're going to take the red, the blue pill, wake up tomorrow morning and tell yourself whatever the hell will make you feel better. 
well, it wasn't really for me. Uh, Woo-woo shit. That's, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah, whatever. Whatever makes you sleep well at night. Anyway, one more. I'll take one more, and that's it. The only other thing right now is Asim said, thank you for sharing with us as always. Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for being here. I couldn't, I mean, I could do this, but I'd be talking to nobody. But thanks for, thanks for at least trusting me enough to put up with me for how long? Holy shit. All right. So uh, I thank you again. I appreciate it. Um, because the Japan trip needs to be moved, I will come up with a theme for uh, the fall camp, which is, what is that, 13th to the 15th of October? Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, if anybody has uh, things that you would like to learn, uh, of course, this will be live and we'll offer a virtual thing. Um, but, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't like making assumptions, but if you throw things at me, I'm going to assume that you're going to get the training somehow, right? Uh, you're going to be here live or you're going to do virtual live or, uh, you know, Carl's flying me to his place and we'll do it there and then uh <laughs> that's uh, sensei the dick anyway um uh so anyway but if you uh this is your chance if, if you have intent to be here for some part of it this is your uh chance to tailor at least some part of the training to something that you would like to learn okay so i'll leave that uh, open for the rest of the week um, because my intent is by early next week I will have a theme for fall camp. I don't want, you know, well, I don't know. Phil was willing to sign up for fall camp not knowing what the hell is going to be teaching anyway. So some people just, I don't know, don't know they're not supposed to. <laughs> anyway. I'll let the trail off. So, uh, okay, good. And then Daikomi Osai is the first weekend after um, the New Year weekend in January. So that's, I think, the 5th, 6th, and 7th of January. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, did I pick a theme for that? I don't think I did. No. Oh, shit, i got to pick one for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's it. So, but we have, we have a couple of... Uh, Reboots and uh, other uh, programs coming your way, so please make sure that you're on the uh, email, um, uh, you're on our, our email subscriber list and whatnot. If uh, you're not sure and you want to be placed on one, self defense or Mikio or um, uh, Nijutsu related, right? If you get on the the general one, WCI, what is it? WCI gen list or something like that, right? If you want to just get information about everything, um, shoot us an email, let us know, and then we can manually just add you to it if you're not sure which one you're on or you want to start getting things. Uh, but there's going to be, if you're on list already, you'll start to see an uptick in, in emails that are coming out. Um, if you don't see anything in the next week or so, you might want to check your spam or promotional folder, especially if you're on Gmail or uh, Yahoo or one of these commercialized ones or whatever because they like to filter shit out that they're trying to protect you from things that you even want. So, um, but check those things. Um, or shoot us an email, right? Um, James can put that in the, in the chat thing there so everybody gets it. Um, but it's, uh, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Or do we have a different one? Is it info at or support at? I don't know. Just warriorc, I guess, is a good general one, right? Um, 
that way, uh, uh, if you don't see anything, then, you know, we want to make sure that there's not a glitch in the system or something like that, that people are getting information. Okay. All right. That's it. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else. So if that works for you, James, anything else? No, sir. All right. Well, that wraps up episode 173 of Kuden. So we'll see you next time. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.